Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught Offside from just outside... New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Uh, not much. We've got through the quarterfinals. What we expected happened. Uh, and we are now kind of looking forward to the semis. Wow. That's all I can say. I'm not, I'm not <sighs> as enthused. Well, you better find it, all right? You better find it within yourself to have some words prepared because this, this is a podcast. I know, and I'll, I will. I always enjoy talking with you, Andrew. But it just feels as if the last few years we've been so spoiled, and we'd be starting this podcast, and you'd be going, "Oh yes," and there would be no need to force the "Oh yes." You'd really mean it. I've never and, once forced it. No, you have. Um, and I don't think you mean, you'll mean it tonight. I think <laughs> um, what happened happened. What happened happened, and uh, and actually, I am very enthused about the semi-finals. We're going to have. A all Milan derby in one uh, portion of the semi-final, and in the other, we're going to have a rematch of what was one of the most entertaining comebacks last season. Uh, that is Manchester City versus Real Madrid. We have two incredible semi-final matchups on paper. So. Like honestly, those are yeah. You know, I, I know the the Milan derby is a little bit strange because I don't know neither of those teams are contending for a league title, but. There's just something so classic about that matchup in a European competition that is fascinating to me. And the atmosphere for that in that old stadium, like, yeah, it's just going to be that will be an event that will be a spectacle. And, and then, and like, the- yeah, like you said, Real Madrid, Man City. I mean, probably if if I were power ranking teams right now, that's my one and two in some order. I'm not exactly sure. I would say that this matchup will probably that that will determine uh, obviously, what my order would be of who's one and who's two. I am. Um, I'm also looking forward to nostalgia because oh. we're going to get a good piece about the great Inter team of 12 years ago under Mourinho. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a good piece about the AC Milan teams who dominated the end of the 80s and right into the 90s. 
I mean, no disrespect to to either team right now. I mean, Inter are still a nice team. We saw some flashes of of good football from them tonight. Milan are not what they not what they used to be, but again, here they still, are. What's that? Here they are in here the Champions League semi final. But like when I think of the Milan teams of like. 88, 89, 90, 91, 90, oh my God. Like. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily stop there. I would say the Milan teams of the of the 2000s, the Kaká version. Of, yeah, of I Milan. mean, they were, the team that took the field in Istanbul in 2005 was just absolutely Maldini, Stam, Cafu. Um, Crespo. Hernan Crespo, yeah, Shevchenko. <laughs> Ridiculous. Gattuso, amazing, amazing. But I mean, the Rolls Royce of the Milan teams were the, were, were that that Dutch contingent in in the early nineties. So so we'll get a lot of nice pieces about that, which I'll enjoy reading, sipping a coffee, hmm. and pretending I'm on the streets of Milan, um, like like they used to do on Gazetta Football Italia on Channel Four when I was a kid growing up, um. And uh, James Richardson would be there, and he'd be in a James Richardson of the Totally Football Show. That was his. That was how we all knew him. He was yeah. a young man, and he would read the papers to start the show. He would uh, he would translate from the Italian papers all the news, and because that was the Premier League of the era, that was the biggest league. Yeah, and um, and the most moneyed league and everything. And he would sit there sipping a cappuccino, and he would do lots and lots of very good puns, or good puns to a nine and ten year old or eleven year old. Thought they were amazing, and he would talk about the league, and it was. It was amazing. So there'll be a lot of nostalgia on one side of the draw and a lot of uh, recent uh, nostalgia, I guess. Not, it's not nostalgia. Well, Re- well maybe for I mean, one of City them. City are such interlopers in this whole thing. <laughs> it's like you've got but three. But there's going to be a generation of people who are not, who either aren't aware of that or don't care about that. Like yeah, if, you're, right. if, you're, if you're a soccer fan who's under the age of, what would you say, JJ, 25? Yeah. Then like they're not interlopers. No, they've the, been a the, huge, an enormous part of of your personal history of this sport. It's a lot. That's a that's a lot I of mean, people. Yeah, it's still only like ten years though. It's it's the well, I mean, essentially went like from the late, you know, from like two thousand nine, ten, kind of around there. No, that no. I mean, that was that was when their ownership changes began to take hold, right? When Tottenham, I remember yeah, when, but when them and Tottenham battled out in 2010 for that fourth Champions League spot. Now they Champions... hadn't fully, their, their squad hadn't fully beefed up, but they were already, they were battling for Champions League places. At I that mean, that's that kind of where, almost where Newcastle, a little ahead of where Newcastle are now. I mean, that was an aberration, or not an aberration, but that was weird in and of itself to see them where they were when they were perennial, like relegation, sort of mid-table mush uh, team. Right, but but it, and... was, it was beginning to start around it... 9-10. It was them as a Champions League entity probably took a little bit longer, but whatever. They're there now, and we just have to get on with it. What a show! We're going to talk about all these things that we're discussing now in in much greater detail, and of course, the U.S. men had a uh, a match against Mexico, which uh, we'll talk about that one too um, before we get out on this podcast. Uh, but let's start. Let's start with kind of what we're talking about right now, and that's the Champions League. Um, and and I want to start JJ with Chelsea and Real Madrid. Um, it ends four nil on aggregate. Real Madrid go through. Um, first, the Madrid side. You know, oftentimes we we focus on the negatives and things like that. I don't want to do that. I want to talk positives for a minute here. Okay. Real Madrid. Sid Lowe tweeted this. He tweeted eleven semifinals in thirteen years is pretty nuts. I mean, 
it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it's what we, you know, it, like I forget the exact numbers, but it's like the stats that get thrown around about the Patriots and how many years they reached AFC championships during the Brady Belichick era. It's stuff that like you're like I I, I don't know that I'll see this again. Um, and and just, amazing because how many league titles did they win in that period? Oh yeah, I mean, like certainly like not that two, many. Two, yeah. three, like, um, um, absolutely unbelievable. Like, amazing. I, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, recently of because I've, I've kind of had a little bit of a mini rewatch of Breaking Bad, and one of the great gifts and memes that have come out of, of, of that is, um, is the, is the one where Jesse, um, Pinkman is is screaming he can't keep getting away with this and i do feel like there's been a like it's just a long extended jesse pinkman uh pinkmanness about real madrid and i actually think they this version of real madrid isn't the jesse pinkman i think the jesse pinkman was under ronaldo those years like 16 17 18 19, like there was years there where i felt like they they shouldn't they shouldn't be winning those games. There was games they should have been knocked out in, but they but they made it true. I honestly think that this version is superior to the Ronaldo version. Oh my god! It's like you read my uh, so I, I kind of did. I threw together a rundown last minute, but I didn't get the chance to send it to you. And it's like you, but we've been doing this podcast together for so long. It's like we're we're sharing a brain. You don't even need to actually see it. No, uh, I I don't I don't want your sex thoughts in my mind. <laughs> um, they're very PG. That's how I roll. Um. Because I literally have a question here, JJ. I said, do you have a favorite version of Real Madrid from 2000 to now? The, like the Galacticos version, the Ronaldo version, the post-Ronaldo, I guess you'd call it what, the Benzema Vinicius version. Um, I mean, you've kind of answered it there. Yeah, and, and despite what they've done, like obviously it's fresh in my mind, Liverpool last season, like in the final, despite all that, I, I still think, yeah. This this will be my favorite. Benzema on fire, Vinicius, um, Modric just being absolutely imperious. I mean, look I, at them. I mean, you're look, you're look right. At, look at them slotting in Camavinga at left back. I know, and he's not even happy about it. They asked him how he's what he thinks about. it. He's like, I don't like it yet. There was a he's couple good of, at it. There was a couple of times though where where Chelsea went at him um, in the early in the early stages of the game and. Um, like they thought that and boxed in and he found a way out through either really good skill or through his strength of holding players off and working the ball through or winning a free kick. And you're like, this guy is, this guy is unbelievable. Evan Ferguson was talking about playing against Camavinga, uh, Ireland versus France. And he said, you know, and he's playing in the premier league. So he's come up against a, a few players in his, in his short time. And he said, he's the best player he's ever been on the field with. He's, he's that good. And he's playing left back for this shower. <laughs> but even Valverde, like, like, what I mean, even like Valverde, uh, t- even Tony Cruz, who I who I pronounced dead about two years ago, I said he was finished. Huh. Um, th- this is my favorite version, in short. Yeah, I, I get that. There's part of me that that does feel that way too. Although, what I would say is, I do think that you could be operating with a little bit of recency bias there in that some of these players who you love so much from this version, they were in their prime in the Ronaldo version of Madrid, were, like Modric, Kroos, Bale, Ronaldo, like all of, all of these like other worldly players were all in their prime together. I, I would argue though that they didn't play as good 
a style of football as this team does. I, I just think I like the way this team operates more than I did that team. And I suppose that team was heavily weighted by the genius of Ronaldo and his ability to get big goals and big moments and 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 keep them in ties and I mean uh, he was he was spectacular. He was uh, in that yeah, in was. those years he's one of the greatest things we've seen in this sport. Oh stop. A thousand percent. Yeah. And um and, and like the final in Cardiff in 2017, kind of to contradict myself. Like I really enjoyed that performance. You know, um they go up, Juve go up with a brilliant Mandzukic goal, like one of the, and we thought, oh my god, this is gonna be a classic. And then Madrid just blow them away. Yeah. Um so look, yeah, I I, I still I just like this team. I don't which, hate them in the way I Yeah. I agree. I, should. I agree, which leads me to my next point. This Madrid team that we're talking about, JJ, they are to speak to what you're saying, they are capable of playing just some of the most aesthetically pleasing football in the game today. And I think I've been trying to figure out like what that what that means, what how to put that into words exactly. And I think kind of but you just did. Well, what I would say is I, I feel that way about them because I think that they are like every all these teams have a style. You know, we know what Barcelona generally like to do, tiki taka, like that that's what they're gonna do. Manchester City a little bit like that as well. Real Madrid, when I try to define what their style is, I find it to be a little bit harder sometimes. And I think what I've landed on is that's because they are expert level at multiple ways of beating you. They are, for me, they're one of the most deadly teams I've ever seen watching this sport on the counter. They are ruthless. We've seen countless number of goals where they get into some space. Vinicius picks out Benzema. They are just, they are deadly in that way. But then, like, you, so you you start to think, okay, I'm going to put them in a box. Like, that's that's the box that they're in. They're a, an epically good counterattacking team. But, JJ, like, the second goal that Real Madrid scored in that game against Manchester uh, this past uh, Champions League match day against Chelsea. It's one of my favorite goals of the tournament so far. I mean, I haven't seen the exact statistics on it, but pass, 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 pass. Rodrigo in front walks it into the net. Like it was just, it was extraordinary, and that felt like a tiki taka goal. Like they are to me, they're they're just you can't define them. You can't put them into a box necessarily because they're they're so good at at any number of ways of beating you. Ultimately, if I had to, I do view them as. as Primarily getting their goals from the counter, liking to play, liking to play in that sort of way, but yeah. they don't have to. No, they, they don't, don't have to. They don't have to. And um, also, just I spoke last week. Um, by the way, someone someone got very upset with me for like he, he, on Reddit his disdain for Real Madrid. I'm like disdain. What are you talking? Your, about? What yours? Yeah, doesn't doesn't exist. Um, um yeah, but, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to think what that would have been. I think it was because I wanted to move on. I was like, "Oh yeah, you didn't want to talk about them." I, because I just that was. Like, I mean, that, you know what? I, I'm actually. Yeah, I remember now. That person's right. And then I went. That on, was horrible. Then, what you then did. I went on to say that they were genuinely cool. Um, and and uh, it was interesting. Clive Tilsey in the lead up to the game was talking about how um, uh, Real Madrid usually come into this game with a bit more jeopardy than we've seen um, uh, tonight. And I'm like, yeah. Like, they're not a vibes team either. Like, there's an argument on, about some teams that they need stuff to be going against them to kind of get them going. Like, there's an argument that's Liverpool this season, um, despite what you saw on Monday night against Leeds, that they, oh, oh my God. You, know, you know, they didn't start playing until they were 2-0 down against Arsenal. And they, they, and they needed a, a personal insult against Trent Alexander-Arnold to get going. And what people say about Real Madrid is, well, if the game's not on the line, are they actually... 
you know, how will they be uh, in the Champions League? They come into this one and they're 2-0 up. And I, I, I think it was, to, to speak to the game, I thought it was a fine performance from Chelsea. Like, it was grand. I mean, they st- like this is a team that can't score to save its life, which is a kind of a huge problem. We'll, when you we'll get to that, we'll, right? When you need to score we'll two to goals, that. but like gen- <laughs> genuinely, Real Madrid were just fine. Like they were fine. They their ability and and maybe this is like that kind of muscle memory you get when you're when you're winners. Their ability to to know the not the game state, but the tie state, knowing that we oh, don't have to go mental here. We don't. We are in control. We can play this however we want to play it. And ultimately, they did. And they won again. And yes. they... No goals from Chelsea across 180 minutes in a in the Champions League quarterfinal is... It's not what you want. What's No, it's not. What, what are some of the cliches that get paraded around in these sorts of moments? That this was like a... What would they say about Real Madrid? A very professional performance? This was clinical from Madrid. This was professional. Yeah. This was incisive. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. Like at Chelsea weren't. We'll get to the Chelsea side of this in a sec, but they weren't awful in this game. But Real Madrid never. It, I don't know. It never felt like like what you just said. It didn't. They never felt to be jeopardy. It felt like this was always comfortable. This was always going to be going their way. Um, you know, we've spoken about Benzema, Fede Valverde, Kamavinga. We talk about a lot of great players. Modric, of course, with this Real Madrid side. But for going on a couple years now. Rodrigo's name is not it's not always one that comes to the forefront of your mind right away and because we don't know which one we're talking about half the time <laughs> well we're talking about the Real Madrid one okay and, gotcha. I, and I'm saying that that ends now that ends now um Andrew has decreed it so he it ends now JJ from now on we're, when we're going through the litany of great Real Madrid players on this current side it, it, it ha- his name has to be it has to be one of them it has to be uh Fabrizio Romano tweeted Rodrigo has now 10 Champions League goals in the last two seasons. Good to remind you, he's still 22. Always there in crucial nights. 45 million euros. Top deal for Real Madrid. Underrated. He's 22, which leads to this next tweet from Mark Donaldson, who tweeted, Rodrigo has now more Champions League goals than Zinedine Zidane. Rodrigo, at 22 years old, more than Zidane. And how many of these goals have been hugely important? Like he's already put together a, a pretty legendary highlight reel of important goals in the Champions League for this team. Think about last season. And now these to put away Chelsea in the quarterfinals of a Champions League. This guy at this age, there are moments now where where you're starting to watch this and you're starting to think about the resume that he's very quietly compiling, and you can't help but start to think, what are we what are we witnessing here exactly? What is this the beginning of? And I think that this is this is the the beginnings of a really truly special career yeah i tend to agree with you and and you look at that that front three real madrid i know their their relentless pursuit of mbappe and the the kind of love affair and relationship that's going on there and you wonder at some point does just a dam break there and the love gushes forth and they get their man and he gets what he wants but you kind of feel like this is is brewing nicely you know if you if Rodrigo is going to like I mean look I I've just declared it like he's he's one of those guys now um so if that's the case like this might be a pod for another day when the seasons are over and the transfer window opens but like if you're Real Madrid and you're thinking about allocating your funds are we sure Mbappe like as great as he is I think he might be the best player in the world 
But like, are we sure that, you know, 200 million or whatever it's going to take to get him? Are we sure that's the best way to go about it when you have this at 22 years old up front? I mean, the only thing you might say to that is, well, the other Frenchman, uh, Karim Benzema. I mean, how mm-hmm. long can he continue that? It's and true. so you'd think, let's get Mbappe in and play him centrally and and try and, and, try and create a front three of... Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. But 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 I I wouldn't I'm I'm in no rush if I'm Real Madrid to upset this apple cart. That said, um, Real Madrid has an ego, and Real Madrid has a kind of a an id. <laughs> as those as a, those guys belong with us, thousand percent. Yeah, the best player in the world should be with with in the in the white, and and that's how they'd feel about that one. You know what? Maybe I take back everything I just said. How effing good would they potentially be? Actually, now that I reconsider, yeah, and uh, and again, but, uh, but you know, there's 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 other areas. I mean, Luka Modric, that's the big one for me. Benzema is not actually because we've seen center forwards elongate their careers deep into their thirties. We've we've watched that happen, uh, and Benzema is not like massively. I know he's had a couple of niggly things of late, but he's not massively injury prone. Um, Luka Modric. Like how can he? How long can he keep going at this pelt? It was so funny early on. Um, it was clear that that Clive Tilsley and and most of Stamford Bridge, who by the way the fans turned up last night in mm-hmm. in, te- in, in terms of being loud. And say what you like about Chelsea supporters. Um, last night they tried to create that cauldron as as much as it's possible for them to do so. But it was Clive Tilsley was also on the same page as them because he was desperate for this to be, as I'd say a lot of executives were in TV land, desperate for this to be one of those great kind of great nights at Anfield slash Stamford Bridge. I think he, I think he even said so at one point, like, didn't he, wasn't there one point in Real Madrid? They like, they did something good. I'm trying to remember exactly, but didn't he have, didn't he say like, you'll have to excuse my tone. It was something like that where he like acknowledged that he seemed disappointed (laughs) in some way. Yeah. Maybe our list, if if, for anybody listening, if you can remember what that moment was, but I remember perking up and being like, is he admitting that he's like openly rooting in this game? Also, he did something odd. And again, I don't want to pick on one of the the greats, but his little intro at the start, as the teams were being read, he did the same thing right after kickoff that he did for Real Madrid. That's just who they are. That's how they roll. And he did that same monologue twice. And I'm just wondering, was that on purpose? Hmm. It was. Yeah, see, so they throw to Clive Tilsley. Clive Tilsley does that monologue about Real Madrid, does his bit about Chelsea. Teams are named. And then he repeats the Real Madrid one. Hmm. Odd. Yeah, I don't know. He either repeats the Real Madrid one or the Chelsea one. But but I mean, it it doesn't matter because now I'm doubting myself. But he did. He did repeat the monologue. Why, though? Um, but he was picking on Modric. Modric had two bad passes in the first opening 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, again, I don't want to be reductive, and but I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. If Conte, if it's anyone else other than N'Golo Conte on that early chance that breaks in the box, and that's 1-0. They probably and, score there, yeah. They probably score, right? Anyone except Conte and Conor Gallagher. Or like... Andy Robertson or Musa Sissoko. <laughs> no chance at either of those two <laughs> scores. So anybody else except those. And then, and then, different game. Oh, yeah. But they didn't. Yeah. But what could have happened did is a thing I've heard said before. Um, yes. 
Which brings us now to the other side of this, Chelsea. Oh, oh, Chelsea. Another game, another shutout. JJ, they've played six games in the month of April. They've scored a goal in exactly one of those games, a 2-1 defeat to Brighton. Chelsea, yeah, six games in this month, one goal to show for it. All that money, all of oh that money, God. and this was the competition. I mean, their season's been over for, I mean, if their goal was to win a title, which coming into the season you thought was reasonable. It was an expectation almost. That's been over. That's months. Months yeah. of that gone. Everything was about this now, this competition. And they can't score over these two legs against Real Madrid. Now, they did, in fairness to them, like you said, you mentioned the Ingolo uh, Conte opportunity. They did have some chances in this game. Uh, like, if I were if I were going through the list of horrible Chelsea performances from the season, this game would not be on that list. No. They were okay. They were okay. But okay, it's not... But it's the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Okay, it's just it's not good enough. They don't have anything to show for it. No goals. And again, like I don't want to keep coming back to the, all the money spent, but I can't help it. Like it's just. But like I, I honestly thought it was bizarre that Gallagher gets the nod ahead of uh, Joe Felix, mm-hmm. Michaelo Mudrick, Raheem Sterling, and even Mason Mount. And and if you want to throw in, Christopher... well, I don't know about Mount, but okay, certainly Joe Felix, who who's been one of their. I mean, in terms of their attack, he's been one of their best players, I think, over the last couple months since he's yeah, arrived. I, I thought so, too. I mean, and it just it just didn't make sense. And you have this highlight reel or low light reel of just Gallagher. And I look, I like Gallagher. I don't think he's a Chelsea footballer, but I do think he can. We've seen we've seen good spells for him when he was on loan at Crystal Palace, etc. But I just I'm not starting him there. I'm not. It, I'm not yeah, I'm not playing him in that game. And. Uh, it's just a low light reel of him kind of getting into getting decent looks and then hitting the ball straight at the keeper. Tepid shots. Um, you say it wasn't one of Chelsea's worst performances over the past while. I would agree with that. Um, but again, it 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 lacked any kind of bite, any kind of incision, which has been obviously been the problem for him. Um, if you're Graham Potter and you're watching that tonight or last night, you really feel, I should have had the opportunity to manage in that game. Like, what has Lampard done? What different, like, if you accept that the league was over, and, like, their their league campaign was just dead, they, they, they couldn't achieve in the league, let them at the, like, it makes no sense to have Zach Potter when you see what Lampard's serving up. Yeah, I, I thought after he, after Potter turned around the Borussia Dortmund result i thought i said on the podcast i thought that that was probably enough for him to at least see out this season now whether or not he would go any further than that he probably wouldn't history will tell you he definitely wouldn't um there were people there that wanted him gone in january uh so i thought after that he would have been able to but okay they decided no but then the decision to bring in frank lampard to be the guy who maybe could get this get something more out of them it's just it was look, so weird watching him on the sideline in the Champions League game for Chelsea. It was bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. After watching him for like the last year toiling at Everton. Just so strange. Yeah, uh, it was. And, and going off of what you said too, I mean, if you're Real Madrid and you're coming into this game um, and you know that Chelsea have to score twice against you, like Havertz and Gallagher, like, are you scared? No. No. Not at all. Like, you're just you're not you're not um i mean i don't know like if you're not 
what are you saving Zhao Felix for? What are you, you know, like, what are you saving Raheem Sterling for? Why did you go out and get them if not for essentially the most important game of their season, unquestionably at this point? Because they have no season left. It, it was all building up to this moment. There's nothing left to play for other than, I guess, pride, lack, trying to avoid a, the maximum level of embarrassment. Um, but now, JJ, now that this has happened and they're out, I mean, here we go. You're starting to hear it. Uh, DDA Drogba weighing in. He was doing TV coverage on Canal Plus. He said, I knew this club. Uh, he was talking about this version of Chelsea versus the one that he played for. He said, I knew this club with a certain class during the Abramovich era, but today I find it lacking. It's very hard for me to see how they got rid of certain people. They should go back to the principles and values they had. I no longer recognize my club. <laughs> now, now there's part of that that I want to throw up. <laughs> the at. Principles, talk and about values. principles and values while a, a Russian oligarch um, who was forced with, out, who was with, with ties, with absolutely tied to the Kremlin, right, to like a, a warlord, like yeah, you know, brilliant. Maybe like maybe principles and values. Principles and values is is called for when we were good and we won. I mean, I don't know if those are the right words, but I think I think his point is probably more about just maybe the culture of of the team, the types of players that were brought in, the way decisions were made. Which leads to one of their own current players making comments, Tiago Silva, not holding back, um, talking about what's gone on there and the decision making process and how things he was as honest as a player can possibly be in their criticism of their own club while playing for that team. Talked about how the actual the physical size of the dressing room needed to be expanded with the size of the squad. Um, you know, that there's just too many. There's too many players there. Uh, and you know what? Like, I thought his comments, I can't disagree with any of them. I think he's spot on. The fact, you know, I know they tried to get rid of Ziyech, but it didn't work out for whatever bizarre reasons where he wasn't able to go to PSG. But that's one guy. Like, I know what it is, and I'm sure you do too, to work in a workplace. And you can have, like, let's say there's 10 of you in, like, a department together. Uh, I know what it is. For there to be one guy among the 10 who is disappointed and negative and brings bad energy. And I know how that can very quickly poison the other nine. Yes. I've seen it. I've seen it happen in multiple work environments. So take that and extrapolate it to guys with much larger egos on much larger salaries with seemingly more at stake and add I don't know how how many how many of those guys do you think are in this room right now? If you've got a team a squad of thirty, you th- what would you say? Fourteen of them are probably that guy. Yeah, you can't have that. No, like, these guys are. This isn't FIFA. This is not the video game where you can just pile together all of these guys and they're literal robots playing out the game on a certain skill level. These are. I know people don't want to hear it because they say, oh these are highly paid athletes. They're paid to deal with this stuff, but they're people. They're people with emotions and thoughts and feelings, and they get in bad moods, and they're mad about something. They can be moody about something, and that affects the product, and that's what Chelsea have created here, and I don't know how they get out of it. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the stories in The Athletic where Potter, Potter seemed to be, not that he couldn't manage, he could not manage the size of the squad he had. You know, 11 v 11 games. I mean, when when... And again, it was it's obviously nowhere near this level, nor am I suggesting. But when we when we would coach like high school teams in a camp, the last thing you wanted to see was a massive number. You pref- much prefer a shorter, a smaller size. You can work with them. You can 
it's it, it, it never you're never trying to find a, something to do for a guy just because you've got too many fellas there. And Chelsea having training on on two separate pitches for the first team squads because it was so big. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a mess, absolute mess. And the more you, you the more you think about it, the more you wonder about uh, Bowley's ability. So he, you know, his ability to kind of rein this in and get this smaller. There's there's so many players need to leave. I mean, look at the bench from last night. Ziyech, Dennis Zakaria, um, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Kristen Pulisic, um, Lewis Hall, Carney Chukawema. I mean, all these guys need Sterling, to go. Sterling, Mudrick, Mount, Felix, they all came off the bench. They yeah. were they were bench players last night. Yeah, but like the Mendy rest of in goal. They, they need to go. You can't keep that squad. And it's a tough thing to have a fire sale when everyone knows it. Because now you're not now some of these guys are going to go on rates that Chelsea are, are not going to be acceptable to them. And they uh, is have Todd to Bowley going to be willing to take those kinds of losses financially? And and they and they almost have to keep some guys because of the the, the sheer uh, Mudrick springs to mind, you know, an eight year contract. Oh yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. That's what I said on the last pod. The next yeah. manager that comes in, I don't want to hear excuses made about. Well, these aren't my players. I need transfer windows. I need time. This is your team. You have to have a plan for this team. Ultimately, JJ, kind of my final thoughts on Chelsea because I'll be totally honest. Uh, like, I don't know how much else there's going to be to say about them this season. Like, I'm not. I don't want to tell Chelsea listeners don't listen to the show. Of course, we'll talk about them. Their games are interesting. They're fascinating. Of all the teams in the Premier League this season, they might actually be the most interesting because of the way this has gone. But this was their last relevant game of the season. Chelsea fans know that. So ultimately, when I think about this season and the way Chelsea have gone about this, there's kind of one thought that that keeps hitting me. And that is, you know, spending all this money. Look, I wouldn't have done it. We said that in the time that this it didn't feel like there was a plan here. This didn't feel coherent. But, right. you know, but. But it would be disingenuous to say that that doesn't work. We've seen other teams, Man City, PSG, Real Madrid at times, Barcelona at times. We have seen other clubs make decisions at certain points to spend a, an S ton of money and it works for them and they win titles and trophies and so on and so forth. But the thing that I can't get past with Chelsea is, okay, if you're going to spend, what's the figure, $600 million? Mm. If you're going to do that, the fact that they did that without thinking that one of those purchases if we're going to spend this kind of money, let's have one of those be a true out-and-out goal scorer. A guy with some cutting edge at the end of all this build-up play and all this something somebody who can be incisive at the end of an attack. Like City knew it. They went out, they wanted Kane, they couldn't get him, so they then they went out and got Holland like they know that this is what we need. That like the great teams have that at the end. Benzema right now at Real Madrid. Like you just you know Salah has been that for an era of Liverpool. Chelsea are going to spend all that money, and for what? They talked about it on the broadcast yesterday. You got all these attack, you got all these creators, but no one to finish. Havertz ain't it? I can't yeah. believe. Like, and and by the way, no one tell me that Obama. Oh, but Obama Yang. We all. <laughs> no one thought that was the answer. That was never an actual answer. That was bonkers when they did it. I can't believe they spent six hundred million and not a penny of it was on an actual out and out goal scorer. It could have worked. As crazy as all this was and thrown together, maybe it actually would have worked if they had someone on the end to finish these build-up plays off. I do think that the the war in Ukraine, the quick the effects, the snowball effect that that had in terms of like the lieutenants, uh, which is actually really awkward phrasing, but the trusted advisors 
the people on the board, the Petr Czechs, the uh, Marina Granovskaya's, the people who knew football and although they are the people who signed Romelu Lukaku and it didn't work out, but be that as it may, um, those people were suddenly gotten rid of. And from what we understand, the person who was calling the shots ultimately was Todd Bowley. And this is what you get when that happens. Like so many crucial signings were made at the time when they did not have like a fully functioning um, cabinet of football people at the club. And and this is what you end up at. It's not money ball. You know, it's not art. It's not baseball. You know, you can't just buy all, even in baseball, it doesn't work. You can't just buy all the names that are floating around in Europe, all the, the top young talents and just bring them in and hope that someone can patch this together. And that's why, you know, it makes me think about a Nagelsmann. If he comes to the club, he's going to, the first thing he's going to say to Todd Bowley is, I want, I want rid of half of these guys. And here's a list of players I want because they play my system. So by the end of this, this whole process, you're going to have spent, Chelsea will have spent, this is how I see it playing out, north of 1.2 billion. Oh my God. In a, in a year and a half. I'm, I, I mean, if Nagelsmann or any of these guys, Enrique, you. Pochettino, whoever, if any of them come in with that, then I don't know if they can be hired. That's a fair point too, but um, they cannot go on with the way with the way that they're uh, they're currently operating. They're you, they're an you, absolute clown show. And you mentioned and you mentioned Lukaku two years ago signing him. Like okay, you like that was your out and out goal. Your attempt at, at signing an out and out goal scorer, and the manager didn't want him. And he, the manager didn't want him. And then you allowed him to leave, and you didn't fill that void. You, you continued to operate by thinking, well, I guess if we have a lot of creators and Havertz, that that will do it. But no, you need you need something more incisive than that. We um, need something more incisive than this, Andrew. We 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 have to leave this game behind. Yeah, let's do that. Let's leave it behind. Um, but before we get to the next one, JJ, I want to tell you, well, you already know, but all of our, our listeners out there, we have such a cool such a cool partnership that has come about here. Uh, and we want to tell you that support for Caught Offside is brought to you now by Manscaped, who's the yes. best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. CAUGHTOFFSIDE, all one word, no S, as all of you know. So, JJ, with this partnership, it's so cool. Manscaped sent us the Performance Package, and my first impression when I opened it was like literally my god when does it end like you open it and i mean we'll get into the products in more detail but there's like there's the lawnmower which is the the main shaver there's the weed whacker which is more for trimming nose hairs there's uh boxer briefs different sizing options for the lawnmower the charger of course uh, then like the special travel bag which is a very underrated part of it because usually when i travel i just put stuff in like a random plastic bag or something like that. This is an actual nice travel bag that also comes with it. It was incredible when I opened it up. Yeah, I I, I felt exactly the same. And you know what? This is a product probably needed this years and years ago, Andrew, because, you know, you want to go out confident, especially, you know, when you're a single man, you want the garden to be tended to properly. But it was risky. It was a risky business. How many times did you go at it and... uh did you cut yourself? Yeah. So, uh, so I, I guess it's honesty time for all the listeners out there. They, everyone knows us well, but you're getting to know us now on a whole, a whole new level. 
I mean, for me, like everyone, I, I guess, has their routine of how they go about it or anyone who does who does this, which I think we're modern men, JJ. Yeah. This is part of the part of the hygiene routine for modern men like us. But like, you know, I had my way of going about it would start out with scissors. You know, anytime, like if my wife would be like, what are you going in the bathroom with scissors for? Mind your own business. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but like, you know, so I would say, though, I don't have the actual figures or statistics, but one in every two or three trips with those scissors into the shower, you leave there with with some semblance of like the shower scene from Psycho going on in there. <laughs> you don't need that. Also, as well, just sorry to interrupt. Nobody wants to walk into your bathroom and go, ah, a small, poorly cleaned up pile of pubes. Nobody wants that. <laughs> right. That is not a part. Oh, and a tinge of blood. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a crime scene. This Wonderful. is the bathroom experience I've always wanted. <laughs> yes, but no more. Your risk of any of that is reduced tremendously uh, with this inside the package. Like we said, you'll find the, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag, like I said, to hold all these goodies. And by the way, the one thing, JJ, with the, the Lawnmower... Um, there's a uh, the 4000k led spotlight now like at first i was like is that is that necessary and then i started to use it and you begin to realize like when you when you're doing this the rogue hairs that get missed they don't get missed anymore with this thing I like, sometimes you'll you'll go through the trouble of doing all this and then like you get out and you're like oh my god there's entire like areas that were that I missed. And then you got to go back and do it again the next day. And it's like, well, what a waste. That's forget it. It's over. The light was actually, I actually found the light to be extremely valuable in this. I can craft and trim with precision. And you know, in the bathroom area, Andrew, I'm a man of precision. And, and that's why the lawnmower 4.0 is, it's so important. It is. It is the whole thing, the whole package, all of it I have found important. Right down to the boxer briefs, JJ. They're great, too. Already well, you once. love free boxers. I mean, you'll pick them up off the street if you can get them. Yeah. So like we said, it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. All one word. Get 20% off and free shipping with code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So there you go. Animals, um, we're talking to you specifically. I know you're all modern animals out there. Get to this. Promo code caught offside. We're, we're expecting big things from all of you guys out there. Gifts for, for friends, uh, siblings, whatever. It's perfect. Uh, so check it out. It's an awesome product, and we're, we're so excited about it. Yeah, I, cool. I, I, I was going to suggest to the animals that they, they, they use the promo code they get onto Manscaped, they get 20% off, they get after it, and then they show us their work. I, oh, my God. I don't want that part. Okay. The last part, forget about it. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Good stuff uh, from Manscaped. Very cool. Uh, all right. So we continue now with the Champions League, JJ. And let's go to uh, let's go to Manchester City. They do the job. They go up to Germany, and they bounce Bayern. From the competition. I mean, technically, they go down to Bavaria. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's be geographically accurate here. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? They went up to Germany? 
Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing right. from you. I mean, one of the things leveled at Americans from people abroad is, is your lack of geography. And you played right into it. Well, maybe I was kind of more because I'm from Philadelphia where the term is down the shore. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I would say that even if I were going to a, a part of New Jersey that was north of Philadelphia, right. I would say I'm going down the shore. Gotcha. That's geographically incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people in Manchester refer to it the same way when they're talking about Munich. Yeah, sure they do. Or so they say we're going down to Munich. <laughs> so that is really what I had in mind. Uh, Bayern had their chances, much like how we talked about earlier with Ingolo uh. Conte having an early chance to potentially make something interesting of that. I mean, Leroy Sané was you know pushed a little bit wide, but he was pretty much 1v1 with the keeper. Got a score. Yeah, has to. Against Such his a former nice team. Such a nice ball from Musiela. Uh, he was he was racing in. He's dinked it, and he's just he's just dragged it that little bit, and you can see his face because when you're three 0 down, it's like if this again if they if they score gets the crowd even more uh, vociferous, and you feel like you're in a game, and it didn't happen. And honestly, though, for me, the sequence that killed it, I mean, it was dead anyway, really. Um, but if if we were if there was a chance of a Baron comeback, it's the second half. Kingsley Coleman, who was in fairness a thorn in Nathan Ake and 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 the the general Manchester City's defense for most of the night without scoring, albeit. Um, Coleman goes down the right hand side. It's another good run, and he centers. And I think Chupamoting whiffs on it, or he doesn't get a connection. It rolls across across the goal, and it's cleared by Manchester City. And then you're like, uh oh. And Haaland has this, it's amazing. Football is just these little things and these little actions, as the modern coach say. Mm-hmm. We had the perfect action in this moment. Um, and Haaland just nods it down. And it's, uh, I think it's De Bruyne running onto it. And Haaland is gone. And he finds him with the ball. And as if it was written in the stars, Upa Meccano falls over. Just slips, falls over. So Haaland doesn't really have to go around him, but he, he kind of skips beyond him, stricken, prone on the floor, and then buries it past um, Sommer. Mm. And that's it. That's that one sequence. Like, Bayern should have scored. They don't. City do. And that's the game. And I at that point, I switched over to uh, Benfica Inter. So whatever happened after that, don't know. Up Meccano. One of the worst 180 minutes... A player can endure. I, 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 at this point, his his confidence, his desire to play the game must be on the absolute floor. I think he's on Indeed, uh, Indeed.com, looking at what, what, what other job options are for me out there. This was, I mean, it was, it was disastrously bad. And by so, the way, think of how much worse it could have been. I mean, he, by, by nature of, molecular var he avoided a straight red yeah then he was penalized but avoided the the pitfalls of that because holland skied the penalty and missed it yeah so but like think about those two things on top of all the other stuff that happened and those two things wound those two things wound up not even mattering uh, I, I, this, I, I, this was this was tough to watch yeah and even john muller of the athletic was talking about when um when Holland was he he took a freeze frame shot when Holland receives the ball on the pass for the goal, and he makes a comment about just where Upa Meccano, like so he basically says Upa Meccano should know 
that Holland is not going to try and cut inside him. He's going to go. He's going to do what he always does. And uh, I suppose it was a comment on the run, the covering run that Upamecano made, and the and the body shape, etc. But it was, it was, it was a disaster. No, it wasn't his fault that he slipped. I will say something about the Allianz Arena. It is consistently one of the uh, the choppiest surfaces. It mm. digs up. You think of any game you've ever watched there. There's always a big tuft of turf uh, flying around. It's uh, yeah. In fact, before Holland's penalty, who was it that what Goretzka walked Goretzka, over? Now Goretzka was being a, a, a D nozzle, trying okay. to put him off, but he, he he pretends like he's doing a good Samaritan effort, and he picks up this like patch of grass. patch of turf. It yeah. cuts up unbelievable, really crazy for a modern stadium. Now I kind of like that in a way, because um, I'm not sure I love every surface being absolutely pristine. But um, oh yeah, here we go. Come on. Yeah, take us down the road. So what I love is I love when it cuts up a little bit, and it just you know as the ball's being dribbled, you can you know from the from the highlights you can see, you can see the divots, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you push the ball past someone, it'll pop up off a divot. Oh, I like that mm, turf talk. Yeah, turf talk. <laughs> it's it's it. like a really niche porn site. <laughs> The <laughs> hey, there's a fetish for everything out there, there, right? There really is. I wonder is that like do people I'm not saying I'm aroused by this. I I, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying it it you know that No, I but am. but someone listening is. Someone just removed their clothing listening to you talk about that. It's just yeah. it's just the nature of it. I, and the, listen, the, if the stats tell you this. If if that person is free to if wants to email, you know, meet for a glass of wine, it's absolutely fine. I'm I'm um I'm open to it. <laughs> Um, real quick, this isn't really important, but the uh, one thing as that if just, that was, <laughs> but what, but like one thing that I was kind of surprised by, um, at halftime they talked about the the penalty called on Upamecano, and Jamie Carragher was like, "Absolutely, this is never a penalty. What's uh, he What's he done with this call? What's What is he What was he talking about? I mean, and, and Jamie so- Car- he's saying Upamecano, he's got his arms behind his back. No, he didn't." He did until he chose not to. He removed one of his arms and yep. hit, and the ball hit that arm. Is Jamie, d- like, has he watched the game? This is, they're all those are all called penalties now. Yeah, and and the trajectory of the ball, he said, didn't change, as if that has anything to do with anything. That it's, matters none. And by the way, it might have slowed it enough for Sommer to get on to it. get there. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I felt bad because it's like uh, Open Meccano. I don't know. It, it's it's. He's done the right thing initially, and then he's abandoned it because yeah. as he turns, he just... It was one argument I used to see all the time on Twitter where Alexi Lalas would say, uh, defenders will just have to get used of defending the box with their arms behind their back. And everyone would pile on Alexi and say, what are you talking about? That is just like your balance. Everything is affected by that. It's not going to happen. And Alexi's response would be like, get over it. They're going to have to figure it out. And Upamecano knew what to do but he wasn't in control of his limbs he just wasn't because he kind of half turns and out pops his arm i but there's no way you can argue it because it's just the rules yeah those are penalties now i don't know when he heard that again sometimes like these guys who admittedly know way more about this stuff than i do I don't know more about soccer than Jamie Carragher, but sometimes they speak with such authority that it causes you to question all of your own instincts. But can like, I, can I throw a little uh, 
a little nugget out there. If you look at Jamie Carr's peak years when he was probably one of the be- one of the prominent defenders in England. So like we'll go 2004 to 2010, okay? The pro- one the most prominent center back in England at the time for reasons good and bad was John Terry. Now you remember that era, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Terry was a handball machine that never got called. <laughs> He used to throw yeah. himself like a goalkeeper, left or right, didn't matter, because he just played the percentages. This ain't getting called. This ain't uh, getting called. Do you remember him? Back in the good old days of, was it was it ball to hand or hand to ball? <laughs> I mean, that was always the debate. And we're always arguing arguing intent, even though that wasn't actually a part of the rules, but yeah. it doesn't matter because we couldn't, we didn't have an internet to look up the yeah, rules. Yeah, all that's, all that's gone now. Right, but the but Carher, that's that's the era he played in. So, um, and I just remember so many handballs in that era, so many that never got called. Just the way well, it was. We should can we go back and rewatch and and re? I'd like to relitigate and redo the table as to what it would have been, assuming that all of those penalties were converted. <laughs> I want to know how well. things would have changed. I, I just remember the the upper torso and arms of 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 John Terry just kind of spreading himself like a goalkeeper. That's a mad goalkeeper who's got bored of being in his six yard and come running out to just dive on everything. Uh, and he, and, and for Terry, he was always considered brave. It's all such bravery from Terry there throwing himself. No, no, what he's doing is he's handling the ball. But in that time he knew you, you it could be done. It was, if he, the, the rules were what they were then. Yeah. So I'm not going to criticize him for playing no, that and way. And I'm just saying that Carragher was of that era. So It's like when you watch defenders in the NBA in the 90s, like when when hand-checking was allowed. Yeah. Like, yeah, that those were the rules then. They couldn't do it now. It'd be a much different game. Guys who were great defenders then would foul out in three minutes today. See how so, physical just, it was in, in the 90s in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, my God. Like a different sport. Shattered noses, cheekbones, everything. Yeah. Um, last bit on this, JJ. Um, Manchester City. Yeah, we spoke last week about them and this idea of this. Does this year feel different? And I kind of threw cold water on that. Kind of um, does, though, doesn't it? Well, so I was going to ask you if now that we've watched this play out the way they they've saw it, they saw it out versus Bayern, uh, the team you know who are leading the Bundesliga currently, do we feel any differently? Um, I I don't. I'm not there yet. They've got Real Madrid next. All right? Right. Show me. The fair, and it's a point you made on either the last podcast. No, it was last week's Champions League podcast. Fair. I accept it. I think if they can negotiate the hurdle that is Real Madrid, and they have, they have, they have to go to Madrid in the inverse of last year, they go to Madrid first, and then they bring it back to Manchester. They get over Madrid, they scrape by Madrid, they're going to be the champions of Europe. And I don't mean any disrespect. I mean some disrespect to Syria. <laughs> but I, I don't think either of the Milan teams, whoever gets through, will... I'm not saying there'll be irrelevances in the final, but finals are finals. But uh, City City are going to be champions of Europe if they can negotiate the semi-final. And by the way, mixed in among this, so uh, Manchester City, they have this coming weekend an FA Cup semi-final. Yep, and then, and then immediately after that, they have maybe the like 
as big game as the, the games, season. As big as their games against Real Madrid are, this one against Arsenal might actually be the most important match that they have left this season. So there's a lot to to navigate here. Now I know they have the squad to do it, um, and the manager to do it. This is not uncharted territory for them. They're always contending for multiple trophies. But I can't like I said last week, I can't quite get there with them yet because I know that that sentence this year feels different. This is their time in the Champions League. I know it's been uttered before in other years. And now they're going to def- they're going to face the defending champions, this t- the team that has mastered this competition like almost no no other in the history of the of the competition itself. Um show me. Show yeah. me. And you know what I think of them. Like I've talked up Holland all year. He's my he's I've already written down my Devunling JJ for player of the season. He could not play another minute this season. He's won it for me. Um, oh, okay. So that's what I think of them, but I don't know how I just got to see it. I just got to see it. Um, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll do a little, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the other two champions league quarterfinals and we'll talk some U S Mexico as well. Still a lot to go here on caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, back now. Caught offside. JJ, you know where I was today? You don't. Where? where? You couldn't. It's unguessable. Um, my uh, my wife uh, was she was honored at a banquet today or really? yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, because she started up a children's chorus in the county that we live in, and uh, they she received a big honor, and it was amazing, and I'm super proud of her. This isn't even a humble brag. I'm literally bragging for her right now on this podcast. It was um, it was really cool. It was really cool. Uh, That's she had amazing. Speech. Yeah, it was really, it was really, it was something. It was really. Did she something. mentioned you in the speech. No, no, come on. No, um, <laughs> but so one thing though. So when I'm at these events, this wound up being like more of an event than I think either of us, her included, either of us realized. Right. Uh, like it was, it was kind of nice. And like when I got there, there was actually like a cocktail hour beforehand. And so, but one of the things I need you to tell me if I was right to be annoyed by this. Okay. <laughs> so there was some guy there. I hadn't met him before. He knew somebody that we were kind of with, um, a little bit of an older gentleman, but quirky, like a quirky older guy. And so I go during the cocktail hour to kind of get a plate of some food. And I'm, I swear to you, it was not a remarkable amount of food. It was a normal amount of food on a plate. Right. So I bring it back over. And this guy who I only met, three minutes ago, looks at it and goes, look at all that food. Oh, you're hungry. You're a hungry guy, huh? <laughs> I was like, what? No, no, it's normal. What? 
And so whatever. And so uh, then like, I kind of like, let it go. Uh, but like I said to Amanda afterwards, I was like, after he walked away, I was like, what the F was wrong with my plate of food? There's nothing wrong with it. She's like, oh, he he's strange. Don't worry about it. Did I, was I, was I right to be put off by that? Or am I being too sensitive? No, you cannot comment. Like you did not know this guy. You just right. met this with guy. like five people around also. Oh, calling you out in front. No, look at all that food. Oh, you're drawing, a hungry fella. Drawing it and saying it like that. Like yeah. you're a five-year-old. That's what I'd say to my, please God, my kid. I'd say, right. oh, you're, you're hungry today. Yeah, yeah. Or, or your dog. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're petting your dog. Oh, oh you're a hungry yeah. fella, aren't you? Oh, you're a hungry fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's that's not okay. No, you were Thank dead you. right. All right, but, good. But, but what I need to know is I know your reaction to Amanda. What was your reaction to him? Did you just go, huh, yeah. No, I did not give him a courtesy laugh. I made a puzzled face. Oh, you did? I made a puzzled face. That's not like you. I'm, yeah. I furrowed brow. Um, Absolutely perfect reaction. Uh, That cannot go unchecked. I don't care how quirky he is. You don't do that. I mean, it was genuinely confusing. I didn't even understand what he was saying at first. Because I, I, look, I'll tell you right now. I've been to cocktail hours where I've gone crazy. Yeah, no. I've lost sight of myself. And I, oh, we we got a raw bar over there. Give me all the crab legs. Oh, look at that little pasta bar over there. Yep. Pile it on there, buddy. Oh, cheese and crackers. I've gone nuts. This was nothing. I um, I am reminded of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Christian Slater is just housing the caviar. Like, <laughs> like to the point where it's like dribbling down his chin, piling it on the cracker. And Larry, Larry says to him, you shouldn't do that. You know, and that wasn't you. No. But I will admit, like, because in this country, like back home, cocktail hours aren't a thing. When I discovered... Just the vast variety of things you can have a cocktail hour from seafood and shrimp to gabagool. I was like, this is it's this food, is amazing. It's food nirvana. It is. And it's and, better and you than... mix it and you mix in an open bar with oh, it. Magnificent. Absolutely yeah. magnificent. And um, so so yeah, I definitely have piled on the plates. And and but even then I wouldn't call someone out. No. You know? I just I wouldn't do it. Oh, you're a hungry fella. Oh, you're a good boy. Did he ruffle your hair and go, you're a good boy. You're going to grow up big and strong. I've never wanted to just get up and scream, mind your own business at someone as badly as I did in that moment. Don't worry about what's on my plate. Mind your own business. Eat your food. Hungry fella. Get out of here. Anyway, where were we? Uh, A couple other quarterfinals. Hungry for football. (laughs) A couple other quarterfinals, JJ, that that certainly bear mentioning. Um, Napoli. I think when the when the story of this Champions League is written, when you go to the Wikipedia page several years from now, what will be in the first paragraph? Now, this would never be in the paragraph of a Champions League, but the way I'll remember this Champions League, we'll see what happens. I think that the matchups that we're left with are fascinating, and whoever wins at this point, it's going to be a really it's going to be amazing. But I will there will always be part of me that will remember this Champions League for the missed opportunity that Napoli had in front of them. I can't help it. It's just how I feel about the t- the team that they have and the road that was sort of paved there for them. And, and look, we've long since given up as the kind of absolute metric of dominance, you know, the, the possession stats. But sometimes they do tell a story. Like Napoli had 74% of possession. They had 601 passes. Like they had 16 corners. Milan <laughs> yeah. had one corner. 
and they just couldn't get it done. And in the end, it was the brilliant athleticism and skill and running of uh, of Liao to set up uh, Olivier Giroud for that goal, which was brilliant. Now, look, they were going, I think they were going to go through anyway, um, but they got that goal, which was absolutely crucial. And I mean, Napoli could only respond. Oshiman scored like, what was it? The third 93rd, minute. I think. Yeah. 93rd minute, yeah. This is the way that their season look the celebrations when they when they lift Syria is going to be when they lift the Scudetto is going to be stunning. That town is going to be rocking. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away anything. Yeah, say but it. Come on. The potential. The air has come out of the Champions League. Like they should be they should be blowing Milan away. They, I'm sorry. They're this this is a this is one they left behind. I agree. I agree with you. I think that you're right. Everything you say is right. And this this season will be one that, that they'll love and cherish. But I, I, I don't know. Napoli fan, I'm outside of the Napoli fan base. Certainly, I can't, I don't relate to them or what they're thinking. So I want to know if there are Napoli fans listening to this, please. I, I need to know from you because I know what I think. But I need to know from you directly, does this in some way cast a bit of a dark cloud over what is a, a glorious season? I, know I, think it, I think it does because it was not only did they go out prematurely, but it was another Italian side that did yeah. it to them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And a team from the, you know, the blue bloods as they'd see themselves, the yeah. snobby ones. Yeah, yeah. The, the, ones like, from the, the ones from the north with their nose in the air when they look at Napoli. So disappointing. Like, again, this will always be a, a member. Like, I don't want to have to keep repeating that. We all know what the season has been for Napoli. But, like, there was a chance for this, for the way that this Napoli season was remembered to to go up into one of those levels of, like, the, the really elite seasons that a team can have. Not yeah. just because they they would win a double of some, a, a, a Champions League, domestic league double. But, like, everyone loves this team. Yes. <laughs> like, they have young superstars. Everyone loves to watch this team play. Um, and so, like, I just think people would, would almost they'd be rooting for this to be a memorable team. They want to think that they were watching some kind of special history. Um, and I think that it was, you know, and I don't want to go too deeply into, like, the transfer window stuff. But, I mean, look, we don't have to dance around it. It's going to be potentially difficult for them to keep this all together. Look, if, I mean... They've absorbed losses before. Are they seriously going to be able to just replace Kavaric, Galia, and Oshiman? No, Mm-mm. they're not. Not right so away. If, maybe eventually, but so if if um if the De Laurentiis family can figure out how to keep um uh, keep Oshiman and keep Kavaric, Galia for one more season, then maybe we we get a chance for them to do it right next season. But yeah, it's just it's one of those where. It's a missed opportunity, and there's, and again, I'm curious. We, do, I know we have uh, Napoli fans um, who listen to the podcast, so I'd love to hear from them rather than from us. Yeah, and then meanwhile, the team that beat them, AC Milan. It's this is a very weird thing, JJ. But for the third time in 17 days, Milan ESPN FC tweeted AC Milan get the result they need over Napoli. Yeah, four nil, one nil, and then one one um, to finish it off. It's. It's just a weird quirk to the season. Something about Napoli over the last few weeks has not looked exactly right. No, I, I, and it, they've run out of steam a bit, I think. 
That but that's natural. Well be. Happened to Liverpool in their season when they won the championship too. But, but it's but not to cut you off. But it's funny though because you say that. But again, like think of how you we started this conversation about this game. Like sometimes, I mean, maybe okay, maybe they have run out of steam. But were they nece- were they bad necessarily in these no. two games? Like I don't think they were. They no, just but... sometimes you just don't score. I guess no, and 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 sometimes you lose that cutting edge. The click goes and. They just they're not clicking the same way. I mean, like they had some I think they had something like twenty-six shots. You like know? Think, think about the very first minute of these two legs. Yeah. Forty-five seconds in. Kavarskaya is is has a gaping net and he just maybe takes one touch too many. It's blocked off the line by two AC Milan defenders. The rebound is saved. And like right there, I mean the tone for what this was gonna be was set immediately. Yeah. Chances that just Sometimes it's not your day. I, I don't know. It's I don't want to. T- I mean, it's we're God. It seems like we're taking so much away from AC Milan right now, um, which is not fair. Like they did it. They got the job done, and they have a way of playing. Like it was interesting because they're. they're I don't mean to skip ahead, but they're they were previewing the the semifinal on the Milan semifinal on Paramount, and Mika Richards made the point. I mean, Kate asked the question, was this going to be a good final, a good semi-final? I would suggest it may not be. You've got two sides who don't have a ton of interest in keeping the ball um, and want to, want to do things on the break. And we, we can see how turgid and um, and also the fear factor between the two fa- sets of fans. I mean, they'll be desperate not to lose, not desperate not to give anything away. I mean, you're hoping for a classic, but it could be, it could be, it could be fairly dull. One thing um, additionally on the AC Milan side. So the guy who now Olivier Giroud, he, he did miss a penalty today, uh, had it saved, but he also scored the goal to to ice this. Um, JJ, now we'll see what goes on and what happens here. But like for a player who, I don't know, he's he's a good player. Like I like him, good good enough player. Not on my not on any kind of list that I would ever make of top 10 top 15 20 30 I, I don't know how far we'd have to go before he'd be on my list of like great strikers but like you look you start to look through the resume you know four fa cups uh a champions league already in 21 uh he's won a europa league he's won syria a. like his, he's he was the starter for a french team that won a world cup like he might now wind up with a second Champions League to his name with a different team once again as a key figure up front for them. Like, is this all just mere coincidence or like, should we be thinking differently of Olivier Giroud's career than maybe we do? We, we probably should think differently. Um, certainly, I suppose the thing is, you know, he, he wins a World Cup. He doesn't score as the starting center forward. He doesn't score. Um, he was at a difficult period in Arsenal towards the end of the Wenger era. And we remember him being a scorer of great goals, not maybe a great goal scorer. And then I suppose it's kind of, I I think you're right. I think he's, he's the last of a dying breed in terms of, you know, that big center forward who's skillful, can hold the ball up, can bring others into play and also can score goals himself. So maybe, maybe he was a bit out of the era. Like if you look at the players, we really got excited about your Manes, your Salas, your, um, you know, even your Mbappes, 
you know, he, he just kind of a bit of a fish out of water. He didn't seem to fit that kind of mold. But um, but his resume is his resume is great. He's been um, he's had a great career. He won a Puskas in 2017. That's right for that flicked the, goal. Was it against the Scorpion? Yeah, the Scorpion kick for yeah. when he was with Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, super super talented player. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe not just the style of player. Just maybe, maybe a different era of player. Yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a very interesting figure for me. Uh, and then finally, like we've been talking about, it's going to be a Milan derby because Inter. Uh, they do what needs to be done. I mean, the final score looks it looks thrilling. Three three wasn't really that way. No. Um, Inter took an early lead, which kind of felt like that was it right there. Uh, Benfica did get one back at halftime. You thought, okay, maybe this is back on, but then Inter add two more uh, before Benfica get two late ones to get the aggregate to five three. But the aggregate was five one in the eighty fifth minute. Like that was just never going to happen. So Inter um, with a pretty. Um, I don't know. Does the, when it's three three, can it be a professional? JJ, did they maybe let in a two a few too many goals for that to well, be the case? Well, Henri was very on that point. Was said that no three three is not a professional way of seeing out the game, especially when you're three one. But like, it, I mean, at that point, it didn't matter. They still had even at five three. It was five three with thirty seconds left in the game, so there was no way that um, Benfica yeah. were going to conjure two goals out of that. So yeah, I mean, I was disappointed with Benfica over the two legs. I think they, in hindsight, they needed to to win the first one um, fairly convincingly before they took the trip to Milan. Um, Inter are an interesting side. Like, I think Onana's a very good goalkeeper. Uh, Barella's goal and his finish and the way he took his goal was absolutely outstanding. I thought, I, and I also thought in terms of creating, uh, Mkhitaryan was excellent. A, a name we, maybe because we're not big Serie A watchers, but a name we don't talk about that much anymore. Um, Dzeko bullied uh, Otamendi for the first goal for Barella's goal, which I think was crucial, which proves the point. Otamendi can win a World Cup. He just can't be uh, playing centre-back on a Champions League winning team. Um, and then there's Lautaro Martinez, who um, I'm, I am I don't know. I've never, I've never been fully convinced by him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's super talented. So, um, but like, look at that midfield, that Dumfries, Barella, Brozovic, Mkhitaryan. Um, I kind of favor Inter now in this game. I think the same thing. I think man for man, I think they have a better team. Yeah, doesn't always matter. Um, and I know the table right now would suggest otherwise. While it's tight, AC Milan are fourth, Inter are fifth. Um, AC Milan holding a two point edge. Both of them behind Napoli, Lazio, and Roma. Yeah. By the way, but again, but again. Uh, you know, Inter won't want much of the ball. They won't need much of the ball. How does this look in a game? Somebody's got to be the aggressor. Someone has to be the front foot team. And I'm curious how this is going to play out and how it's going to look as as a matchup. This is a fascinating one. What what are, the Milan derby in terms of like the Europe the great European rivalries? Um, where is that one exactly? Um, I think, I I mean, I think in the past it was a bigger game. I think now. Obviously, with both sides, you know, they're fourth and fifth, respectively, in the league. It's not, it's, it's not for me. Anyway, just personally speaking, it's it's not one of those that I'll have to tune in the Milan derbies on. I mean, there's been some great games in it and some, yeah, uh, but not for me. But this this is different now. This will revive it. This is a Champions League semi final. This will, all eyes will be on Milan uh, for this one. So, yeah, it's, uh, 
this might be the one that rejuvenates it for for casual people like me who who don't really care too much about it. Well, it should be. I mean, that will be tremendous fun, of course, that one. And then, like we said, Real Madrid, Manchester City as well, which, I mean, if that, if that was the final that we had wound up with, we all would have been fully satisfied. Um, so both Champions League semifinals should be throwing stuff. And, of course, we will uh, first leg, second leg, we'll, we'll have pods after each of those. Can't wait. Can't wait. Super should be super fun. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's switch gears here, JJ, because our our U.S. men were in action last Some night. of them, not all of them. Well, but generally speaking, the concept of the U.S. <laughs> men being in action, uh, it happened last night and it was against Mexico, no less. Um, look, it, it was a it's a friendly. I never know exactly what kind of meaning to apply to U.S. Mexico friendlies. Sometimes I don't like that they do U.S. Mexico friendlies because I don't want them to in any way water down the specialness of that rivalry. Um, however, when you when you see the game, and I don't even mean the game itself, but like the atmosphere of the game, you do understand why they do this. Like yes. the fact that they can get over sixty thousand uh, for a U.S. friendly, you you get why they go back to that well sometimes. Now, so you know if, if this was if this was U.S. versus Serbia in Columbus, you know. <laughs> We all know it. we're yeah. not we're not getting those kind of numbers. And so it, it can be a, a, a nice little money grab for the U.S. Before we get into some of the other stuff, it, it just immediately bears mentioning that the that J.J., the U.S. is now unbeaten in five straight games against Mexico. Three wins, two draws dating back to 2019. Paul Carr notes that the U.S. went six straight unbeaten versus Mexico from 2011 to 2015. And I mean, when you think about some of the squads, I'm not saying Mexico is playing their A squad in all of these games either. But when you look at some of the squads that the U.S. have paraded out for in the midst of this unbeaten run, um, at a certain point, if you're Mexico, it's like, what do we what exactly needs to happen here for us to beat this team right now? Like the next time the U.S. comes out with like a C squad or a D squad roster, if I'm Mexico, I'm saying, all right, this ends tonight. Chicharito back in. Vela, back in. Where, where's Cuauhtémoc? Where's Cuauhtémoc Blanco? You're back in. Like, I'm pulling out all the stops. This is If you're Mexico, this is get, this is starting to border on the ridiculous. This has got to end if you're them. Uh, and if you look at that last defeat um, in the MetLife Stadium, which was supposed to be a friendly too in September of 2019, but was actually far from it. Oh, my God. Um, that was a beatdown. Mexico ran riot. Um, Greg Berhalter's new system of playing out from the back looked terrible. Aaron Long got a skinning. It, it, but ever since then, it's been only going one way, um, or at least last night, with the, the exception of last night, it's it's only been going to a tie. So, yeah, whatever it takes, whatever iteration of the U.S. men's national team that comes out next time, Mexico have to just absolutely batter them. Just batter them. Do Jared, Jared Borghetti, back in. Hugo Sanchez, how's your hip? Back in. Who else? Rafa Marquez, mm. in. Might not be able to travel for those games. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I actually should check the legal status of all that before I start saying things. But it's um, too late. We we obviously have some thoughts on the game. Before that, though, JJ, um, you tweeted something last night from the show account. Oh. Uh, sometimes when you you tweet your opinions and things from the show account, it rattles me a little bit. I sometimes think, why doesn't why doesn't he just tweet his opinions from his own account? But you sent one out last night that I. I fully endorse. Um, I don't know how many of these false kickoff times they have to post before I finally effing get it, <laughs> but but it's going to keep happening. I'm just conditioned, JJ, whether it's for, I don't know, every other sport in this country, I'm just conditioned to believe that the time posted for the start of the game is when the game's going to start. 
Now, usually it wouldn't bother me quite so much. And I don't mean right now. I know I'm going full old man on the lawn right now. I understand that. But you know what? One day, all of our young listeners out there, you'll be a little bit older, too. And you might have kids <laughs> and your lifestyle might be a little bit different. And when you see a 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time kickoff, you'll roll your eyes at it. But you say, all right, I'm a fan. This is one of those things you got to do. But you won't be happy about it. But you get it. It's on the West Coast, whatever. But then when you get to the start of the game and they post 24 minutes to kickoff, you, you immediately begin on – you're mad at your team now. Like, the game hasn't started yet. We're 24 minutes away. I was already annoyed with the, with the late start time for a friendly that I'm going to watch. Now I'm furious. And like uh, It's like they've, they've created this, like, adversarial relationship before a ball has even been kicked. I want to be mad at them because they lie. They lie continuously about when these games start. Why? Why can every other sport in the country, in the world, operate a certain way? Why do they have to do this? I know it's not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. But, but it for is. For some reason last night, it just, I, I saw that timer come up and I thought, oh, F. <laughs> I, come on. Oh, it's F-ing 10 F. o'clock. Oh, man, I know that that is one of the oldest man takes I've ever had on this show. But look, we're we're nothing like we said earlier on this podcast. We're nothing if not honest with all of you. And that's just how I was feeling last night when that when that show came up. Uh, There's a there's a thing in Ireland because of um, just lateness. There's a we've we've had a in the past in in our culture, a laissez-faire attitude to to time. So if I was organizing a Gaelic football or a soccer meeting, I'd say to my friend Liam, what time do we do this? And he'd go, nine for half nine. Meaning, tell everyone nine, but really it's half nine because yeah, they'll okay. turn up for half nine. Right. So nine for half nine. That's how you plan things. That's not how you plan international soccer events. And I'm such a dolt as well. Because when I look at the, when I go to Google, which is, Super reliable now, way more than it used to be for soccer, uh, for for the times, for the stats, for everything. I will put in for the Champions League, uh, Champions League, and I will see all the kickoff times. And they will be the times that the ball is kicked off. I did the same last night, like a moron for the U.S. men's national team. And it said 10 p.m. Glendale, Arizona. I said, all right, okay. I sit down. And then the next thing I say, 24 minutes to kick off. And it's like, 955 and I'm like you oh yeah, yeah. and I, I'm tired this morning and I don't want to be tired anymore I want to live my life <laughs> and at half time because we can slide into the game this way oh no we can't actually um well real quick I do want to say just one last at half time on you text me and you said this was worth staying up for it was rank yeah it's, the first half was oh a, it was smelled a, so bad but I, I at least want to say one thing. I don't. I'm not taking this out on the the crew, like Brian Scaretta, uh, or I'm sorry, Brian Dunseth, Demarcus Beasley, Sarah Walsh. I'm not taking this out on them. I am. I hit. I hated Dunseth's. Uh, oh, stop! Shirt they, and tie and jacket combination. No, like it's not I about know. them. I, I. It's not like I don't want a pregame show. There should be. There should absolutely be a pregame show. It should be treated like every other sporting event that we all consume. Just. Have the pregame show at 9.30 or at least tell us the kickoff is going to be 10.25. It was, it, was, it was even funny because like they've come up with like, like I think they're they partly know themselves 
for a game like this, it's a heck of a job even to get a, an hour pregame out of it. So it when Melissa, need to be an hour, it can be a 30 minute, 25 minute, whatever they need it to be is fine with me. There should be a pregame show to get you ready to have an interview with the coach, with the star player to break down the previous matchups against Mexico to talk about past friend. Like, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a reason for it. Yeah. Like just, just be honest. But there was, al- there was almost an, an acknowledgement. We got to knock some time out of this because uh, Melissa Ortiz was doing her, uh, who I like, was doing her interview uh, on the field before with Walker Zimmerman. And her opening question had more clauses and paragraphs than I've ever heard in any See, question. Now, now you're going mean. I'm not going mean. I'm like, ooh, that's a long question. I'm like, it doesn't matter. We've got time. We've got lots of time. Oh, Why don't is... you ask him what he thinks of NAFTA? And was its removal a good idea? Ask him anything. Ask him what he thinks about the political situation in Nicaragua because we've got time. Wow. Got Look at all you. the time in the world. This is angry early morning. Hasn't had his coffee yet, JJ. Oh, I need I need coffee. I need a bagel. I need some Tylenol and a temple massage. Uh as as for the game, um I mean, look, like you just said, the first half was... No, no, no. Before we get to the game. Oh. Sorry. If we're going to do this game, I, I I, have to say one of the most Simpsons ever moments happened. So, obviously, the crowd is overwhelmingly uh, Mexican because it is, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And, well, especially uh, in that location. Yeah. And by and the way, the... that's that's on purpose. Like, for American fans who were mad about that last night, that doesn't that wasn't by accident. Like no. I said, they wanted over 60,000. So How are we Mexi- going to do it? We're going to play Mexico, and we're going to do it in, in, in Glendale, Arizona. A, a thousand percent. And, and, and Glendale is where they've been playing so many of their friendlies that don't involve the U.S. It's, yeah, well, it... they said last night on the broadcast, Mexico have played more games at that venue than the U.S. have. Yeah, they have. That's their home away from home. It's it's technically their second venue. So that's a home game for Mexico. Just accept it, all right? Yeah. Just accept it. So the goalkeeper gets up, Mexican goalkeeper. He gives his little, hey, you know, let's try and be cool and, uh, you know, not shout things that will offend other people for no reason. Um, And, I, I mean, the offense has a reason. I mean, the shouting is reasonless, pointless. And uh, you could just see Walker Zimmerman, and he's like, Oh, it's now it's my turn. And he, he trundles over to the mic with all the uh confidence of a man who knows he's gonna get roundly booed. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm sorry, it's unintentionally hilarious. Like I, I mean, booing diversity is just dumb anyway. It's so dumb that it, it is funny. And he starts into a speech. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, JJ, on, on the on the Joe Girardi not what you want scale, where do you rank Booing without mercy, a message of tolerance. In in this context, he could have come up and he could have said, I've got $50 for everyone at the end of this game. And he would have got, boo! Yeah, not what you want. Um, all right, the game, the first half, there's not a ton to say about it. Um, oh, Jesus, what I, no. what, a little bit of what I would say. Uh, the U.S. in spurts looked, they actually looked decent attacking down the right side. Um, you know, that obviously in the fifth minute off the throw in breaking forward Ferreira to um, ball played up ahead eventually to Jordan Morris, who maybe took a little bit of a heavy touch. Keeper was able to get on it. Then the deflection nearly went in. It's really a good opportunity. Um, but I mean, 
I guess it's a chance, sort of a half chance. It wasn't like he took a real shot on on net there. Didn't no, get it on target. It spun off and uh, went past the post, but it was something. It was threatening, though. It was a little bit of a, a statement of intent, as they say. I I, w- I would say though, in that first half, that the, there was much more coherence and movement and a sense of what they're trying to do from Mexico than there was from us. Yeah, that's true. Although on the U.S. side, I thought James Sands did a nice job. Um, Great diagonal ball to Yedlin, which set up a, a centering attempt from him. Uh, had another pass where he's kind of had his back to goal around the midfield line, but still kind of knew what was behind him and was able to just turn and make a quick pass that kind of broke through the lines. Sort of, you know, linking what you want from a guy like him, like kind of linking up midfield and attack. So there were, you know, someone like him whose spell at Rangers was not necessarily an overwhelming success. No. He's come back to NYCFC. Um, but like, but it's still good to see progress. It's good to see that like there may be improvements happening. Uh, so I thought last night, especially you know moments in that first half, I thought uh, I didn't love that midfield. I got to be honest, Andrew. Okay, okay. I I didn't. Um, I, I just felt this was if any of the games of the past was a little bit of a flashback to days of yore, just in terms of the way Mexico seemed to dominate the ball. Um, I, I felt it was that, and um, but then again, it's not like they had a ton of chances. No, uh, in the seventh, uh, in the nineteenth minute, they had that kind of good passing move outside the box, a little one-two, and Chavez put it just wide. Yeah, that was but, a good. That was a good effort. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they had one. Uh, what was it? A free kick that was kind of played in. If it took any sort of touch, oh my god, and yeah. it probably um, was going in, but it didn't. Sean Johnson just kind of let it go past the post, but I, I definitely agree with you. That takes any little bit of mis- uh, uh, of a flick on, and it's in the back of the net. By the way. This just goes to show you how thin the opportunities were for both sides when we're talking about these, when we're gassing up these opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was that kind of half. One thing about watching Sean Johnson uh, last night, um, I would say he is definitely a keeper who takes, when in doubt, kick it out uh, to like the, the umpteenth degree, which Absol- is fine, which is fine. He's just not super- I, just something I noticed. He's and, and you see the barrier now to him becoming any kind of challenger to to the keepers above him is his feet. He is, he reminds me of like a goalkeeper before 1995. When they see that ball rolling, that is the chance to put your foot through it. There's no, like, I suppose it's a different regime now. It is a different regime. It's the, it's the Hudson regime. But Mm -hmm. if it was, if it was Bearhalter, um, it's problematic because he's not good with his feet. I mean, Johnson did play a little bit under Bearhalter, but you're right. He's not, you know, he's not going to be the number one at a world cup or he's not, he's not going to even push the guys. He's, he is he is your your guy that'll be in camp and that's it. But that's fine. Like he he brings good leadership. He's a very good shot stopper. Which like I always said about Matt Turner when people were criticizing his feet. Like look if if I can get something from my goalie, the number one the 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 job is to keep balls out of the net. If you're really good at that, then you can play for me. Um, but if you want to be number one for a World Cup or a major tournament, then yeah, there's other elements to your game that you're going to have to improve. Um, so I'm, I'm generally good with that. I don't have much else to say about the first half. Let's get to the second half and the goals. Um, 55th minute is when the first goal occurred. And I mean, you know, sometimes it's these things are very easy to diagnose. Like yeah. it's a horrible, it's a horrible ball from Kellen Acosta into just a dangerous spot. And he's asking, you know, I know some people because Aaron Long is one of those USMNT lightning, lightning rods that you know there's some people that were looking at that saying that he's complicit um, I don't know maybe I guess like maybe he could have gotten there a step quicker done something about I don't, Kellen Acosta is putting him in a horrible position with a ball like that yeah 
So, and everyone's high up the field, and you know, if Mexico turn over there, they're in, and that's how it turned out. Yeah, yeah, it's the the very rare one v one from midfield. But but you see, Hudson had told um, Yedlin and Dest for the second half to get higher and get more advanced and kind of push on and make their make give their wing their wide men and fullbacks something to do. And it, when that happens, if you have a turnover there, you are you are effed, effed. Yeah. And in behind, I thought it was a weird finish, a good oh, finish, okay. but I, I thought it was weird because, and, and I think it was um, Demarcus Beasley or one of the guys, um, maybe actually I think it was Kyle Martino noticed in, in the, in the, in the post game. Um, he's just stretching that little bit and he kind of gets the side of the toe and it's just enough to slide it in past the post, uh, past Johnson. But um, yeah, one nil and, uh, and, and the stadium erupts. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Someone with a, little bit more of a footballing background than me as a player not much in fact i would say it's a draw um okay (laughs) the the 1v1 from midfield yeah now i know there's i know it it sounds like a sure thing goal it's just you versus the keeper can we yeah that is i don't think that's quite as easy as it's made out to be no with the keeper coming at you you kind of know every touch has got to be perfect here or i'm going to embarrass myself yeah and you have so much time to think about it. Yeah. That you're like, will I dink him? Will I go around him? What like, what am I doing here? Um, you want your 1v1s half that distance, ideally. <laughs> right. Um, where you force the keeper. Now, the other side to it is, actually, no, there is no other side. It's better to have your 1v1s a little bit closer in, I think. Um, and also, you know, every, you're thinking about every touch because you want to draw him a little bit. Um, you also don't want to overcook it. It also yeah. kind of gives the keeper more time to read it and kind of like it does get the timing down of when those touches are going to occur and get a better sense of when they I mean, they can pounce. Maybe try and force force the angles. Yeah. Um, so I, could... I give Uriel Antuna. I you know I give him credit because, um, like you said, I guess you thought the finish was a little bit. Would you say odd? Or... I thought it was odd. I don't know. Okay. It, fe- it felt a bit stretchy. A bit stretchy. By the way, OptaJack tweeted after that that uh, Antuna is the only player to score twice for Mexico against the U.S. since the start of 2016. Huh. I don't know. If you had given me any number of guesses, I don't know that I would have gotten there. No. But, okay. But here we are. So, yeah, it's 1-0 Mexico. Um, the U.S. not hadn't really shown a ton to make you think that there was a way back in. You might have no. thought, again, not that this was created by Mexico from some intricate move that just showed their dominance. Like this was this was a, a, an American mistake that the, the the Mexicans took advantage of. Um, but then let's get to the 82nd, JJ. Oh, man. Serginio Dest, who I don't I don't know that he had a great game. He was playing a little bit out of position at left back when normally yeah. he's the right back, of course. Um, but his moment arrived and boy, did he make the most of it. Taking the ball probably, I don't know, 70-something yards from goal, uh, breaking through a couple Mexican defenders, getting into the midfield. The whole space just opens up for him beautifully. Um, gets it to, uh, I think it was Alan Senora, who then who had come on as a sub, who made the perfect pass to Jordan Morris, and the break was on, and then Morris from the outside of his boot. Oh, Andrew, we, listen. Okay. A lot of people going to get upset. A lot of people love if there's lightning rods, Morris is one of them. Should never play for the team again. Why is he always called up? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What a pass that was. Yeah. The perfect yeah. amount. He even created a little bit of fade on it. It sat up for, for Jesus Ferreira perfectly. 
He in, in a way that he could stumble the ball into the net. Well, it's kind of what happened, right? I mean, it sort yeah. of took the deflection. Now, Ferreira's instincts and his his uh, reflexes were were on point. He was exactly where he needed to be. He made the right run. He timed it. Like he didn't do anything. Like good for him. The guy needed a goal. That was I don't know. It was a great night for him either. Um, but until that goal, so it was important. But yeah, I mean, it took a little bit of a deflection off the Mexican defender right onto Ferreira's boot, and he tucked it home. But yeah, the the I don't know the whole built the whole move was just yeah. it was nice to watch. You could just see the whole thing developing. But the way Dest started that off, um, I thought it was I thought it was great. It's exactly what you want from him because uh, sometimes there's questions about his defense, but you know he's got speed and he can attack. And so you saw it there in full force, and it was it was, uh, it was a fun move to watch. In the, in it the was counter. interesting to watch him do it because he's coming from like you said a left left sided position right through the center, dribbling through the center, and a lot of the time you're like, okay. What's what's he up to here? What's the plan? And he beats a few players, releases the ball at the right time. Ball goes out wide to to uh, to Jordan Mars. It's it's a great ball. Say what you like. It's a fantastic ball. Yeah. And uh, and it was and what, a good equalizer. And, and what um, a fun what a fun sequence it was coming just seconds after Mexico, hit Mexico the crossbar. smashed the crossbar. <laughs> Uh, and then it was basically off of that that Dest collected and and took it. And so it was. I mean, it was a pretty exhilarating thirty five seconds there as that all unfolded well you know what it was worth staying up late for those 35 seconds I, it was i enjoyed it i'm glad I, i'm glad i watched the game yeah you have i mean u.s I mexico could've, i could i could have stood to switch it on at halftime i feel well yeah i mean the first half was but then a little, think of, little snooze turn the game off yeah, actually can i can i make a confession you you snoozed halfway through so in the i want I want to talk briefly about the the brain, how the brain works, and dreams. Oh, it's it's the weirdest thing, JJ. So, not gonna lie, it was probably somewhere around the thirty seventh minute. I did in fact fall asleep, and I had a dream. I dreamt. I don't remember exactly what it was about, but I remember I was I was actually that deeply asleep that I dreamt. But then I like suddenly woke up really quickly, and my right away I was like, oh no, I fell asleep. I probably I missed the game. It's oh probably 89th minute. Oh my god, I missed the game and we have to do a pod about this. Oh no. And then I looked up and it was the 39th minute. Only Ooh. 2 minutes had gone by. And what did you dream about? I don't right? I can't remember, but I know that I did. That's wild. Char- Charlie Theron. <laughs> you is the leading man. No. Isn't that crazy though? Hmm. I feel like I mean the movie Inception kind of like dove in on that, right? Like the amount like they had Never their saw whole... it. Never saw it. I'm not usually that guy who gets on people because I haven't seen Breaking Bad and I know the, the faces I get when I tell people that. Um, but it, Inception, it's worth seeing, I would say. It's a okay. kind of it's a it's a fun adventurous mind f kind of movie. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know. So you just, had your Inception moments and and that's it. Yeah. So, but if you ask me anything about what happened between the 37th and 39th minutes, I can't help you. I would think there was a couple of throw-ins. <laughs> Um, some commentary relating to how this rivalry, you can never call it a friendly and uh, things of that nature. Yeah, I was thinking that right away. We were 14 seconds in and already there were two players down injured in this one. I was like, yeah, I mean, we can say it's a friendly, but it's not. Now, I don't think that was dirty. It was just like heads colliding. Um, but even at the end of the game, you like Kellen Acosta is getting into it with one of their midfielders and you're like, yeah, this and they're never... They, this but I love. Never... Can is it wrong for me to like that? I kind of like that in the in this rivalry. They uh, care, like they just are always going to care. It doesn't matter. 
They could have played this in front of no people in, in some park. And like something would have happened where guys would have gotten into it. Like I just, it's it's a, this rivalry is special to me in a way that almost no other is. Other like Eagles Cowboys like that. Like I almost hold it in like that kind of regard. Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty special. Yeah. Anyone stand out to you on the night? Not particularly. No one. Sure, All right. Be honest with you. <laughs> Quick. I, I mean, I, lo- I, I like the moments. I love Jordan Morris's pass. Um, I. I like. I honestly felt at times that Mexico kind of overran the U.S. a bit without creating a ton of chances. But like, I don't know. I thought the Maybe U.S. More- I thought the U.S. defended pretty well overall. I mean, yes, the Me- Mexico did have some chances, but again, like I said, their goal was kind of created out of something that I don't know. You know, Zimmerman and Des did what they could to try to get back. Did I you don't... see? Did you? Did you? I mean, before your little snooze, mm-hmm. felt halfway through the first half. I'm watching it and it's frantic. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is definitely the hallmark of a game of two sides who don't don't play together. You know, it had that. Oh, it yeah. Just, it definitely had that feel about it. So for me to come out and kind of extrapolate anything from it feels it feels wrong, Andrew, and I won't do it. Yeah. Um, like I saw, I think it was MLS Buzz that tweeted something to the effect of. Oh, you love that guy. Well, he tweeted something to the effect of games like this are, are so like poisonous because it's the kind of game where anything good that an American player does, they don't really get credit for anything bad that they do will be held against them and they'll never be allowed to play for this team again. Like it's sort of one of those, like, and look, that's an exaggeration of course. course. Uh, But a little bit of that exists in some of these friendlies, especially friendlies against a team like Mexico that we actually kind of, we care about this friendly, maybe a little bit more than another one. Um, So yeah, it's hard to take too many things away from. I mean, look, I found it interesting. Matt Miazga back in the fold hadn't appeared for the U.S. since 2021. Obviously, him and Greg Berhalter, it appeared, had some kind of falling out. Remember, Miazga was like, eh, there's things about him you're going to find out. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, which always made me wonder if, if, like, it was the Reynas and Matt Miazga were, like, the only people that knew, like, these secrets about Greg Berhalter. I'm guessing Miazga was referring to something different. I still don't know exactly what it is. Who the hell knows? But Matt yeah, Miazga, like sitting there in a chair, stroking a cat with Bearhalter in front of him. Oh, Mr. Bearhalter, you don't drop me. I drop you. And he presses the button and Bearhalter falls through the floor. Yeah. Like or maybe like he's he's uh, what was in The Godfather? He's Barzini. All along, <laughs> you think it's Tatalia. Tatalia yeah. is a pimp. <laughs> Miazga is actually the one pulling the strings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I talked um, to Barzini. But yeah, it was interesting to see him back in the fold. I thought like I, the the elder statesman of the group, uh, DeAndre Yedlin. I thought he he played fairly well. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, I don't have too much to really say. It's just interesting that like you just think about Serginio Dest, and like on he's got to ask, and not in a disrespectful way. Why am I here? Well, oh, I'm like, here because I literally cannot get a game. I mean, the the day that his club team books a spot in a Champions League semifinal, he's halfway around the world preparing for an American friendly. Like they sent sent him away for it. I would love to sit down with some coaches and ask, like, what do you not like about this guy? Like, what it makes him so not toxic? That's not fair. What makes him so surplus to requirements? Yeah, because technically, I think he's got so much. But I mean, tactically, positionally, he. Maybe maybe it's a bad fit considering the way Milan play. Maybe considering 
the way they want to be conservative that it's a bad fit to have a ball carrying risk taking yeah. fullback wing back I don't know yeah uh, but ultimately 1-1 the US unbeaten streak against Mexico continues um, by the way one final note on this not having to do with the US men and the Mexican men but um, on the same day uh, it was announced that the US women and Mexican women they've announced a joint bid for the 2027 Women's World Cup here we go uh, how how fun would that be to have two World Cups in this back country back. in back-to-back years? That would be amazing. Uh, I, I, what are the other bids for for uh, for the Women's World Cup? Yeah, that's, that's what a, I'd be that's curious. That's a fine question. One that someone who had really done his prep work would have uh, been able to answer, sadly. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think the thing about that is how willing would like FIFA be to to sanction that, to have back-to-back World Cups on the on the North American continent? They like to, uh, yeah. they, they like to spread things around for, for votes, Andrew. Uh, the U.S. obviously hasn't hosted since 1999, so it's not crazy to think that they should be due for another one. No. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's a little strange to me that like men's World Cups are handed out like a, a generation in advance. This is like, uh, yeah, we, we haven't planned the next one yet. It seems a little strange, but OK, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, Let's see. I'm I'm reading here, JJ from ESPN FC. South Africa has announced a bid, and Belgium, Germany, the Netherlands have announced a joint bid. Brazil's like sports one. manager, uh, sports minister, has said that the nation will bid as well. They haven't officially yet. Um, obviously, Australia, New Zealand are the co-hosts for for this year's tournament, which begins July 20th. Um, so, okay. yeah, we'll see. I mean, it would be fun. A lot of momentum will build from 2026, and it would be a nice thing to carry that into the very next summer. Kind of make that just routine for American sports fans here. Oh, another summer. That means we've got an awesome soccer tournament to look forward to. So we'll see. That's about all I got though. JJ. I got nothing, nothing rate review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your friends about manscaped. Of course, promo code caught offside. All one word. I I cannot speak more highly enough of the job. It's done for my basement. Yeah, and we're thrilled about the the partnership with them because uh, it's it's an awesome product. We obviously wouldn't be on board with one that we don't think is. Um, so check it out. Uh, hey, this was fun. This was fun. I hope you have a great day. Take a nap. You're cranky. Start the day over. Okay, yeah. start it the right way. I, I need you to when I when we when I say check you later fun day a fun boy. I oh need, my god. Uh, I mean, I need you. This is how tired I am. I need <laughs> you to boo me. Okay, boo me. Right. Okay, I'll do that. Hey. JJ to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. Boo. I'll see ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.